Hello everyone and welcome to the debug log episode 28. Tonight we have a fight fighting out of the blue corner in the game development and fighting out of the red corner AAA game development. Are you ready to rumble? Well, enough action. It's not really a fight. We just discussed pros and cons of working in one or another environment. So if you want to start in the game development industry or you're working on it and you don't know what way to go, keep listening to Debug Log, episode 28. Are you ready? At yep. your leisure. I was born ready. Check, check, check. One, two, three, four. He came out of check, a check, full check, check, Five, six, seven, eight. He came out of a what? What did he you say? No, he came out of full man. Born ready, uh, he was just like, whoop. Yeah. Out of a man. What's up, fellas? He was, yeah. He was up, thrown doctor? up like a Greek god or something. Give me a beer. <laughs> You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast. No, no, about no, no, no. Repeat that, repeat that, repeat that. Oh, that was awful. One. to the debug log a podcast about unity game development i'm ryan kilgore i'm andrew curry i'm albino par and i'm eduardo castillo fernandez the reins are yours now sir <laughs> all right tonight sorry he took that over because i'm losing my voice again for some reason but tonight we're going to talk about a topic that came up in our uh, rapid roundup, rapid fire episode where we had a bunch of articles and Obina posted an article, this article, and that had to do with this topic. And it was it was too, way to him death. And I thought it would be a cool uh, episode by itself. And the topic tonight is triple A versus indie game development. Um, yeah, and all, ahead. yeah, and all that, what that entails being from mostly from a production side, but uh, you know, just the types of games you can do. We're going to go over the pros and cons of what it's like, you know, to develop a game in a triple A environment and in an indie game environment. Um, so I hope that's interesting. I think it's a cool conversation. So I guess to start with, let's define what triple A game development and indie game development is you guys. Well, I usually think of triple A game development as like, you know, a big established studio with a budget and more of a history of producing games. I mean, I say it's kind of a lot of things, I guess, because, you know, it's like just having a lot of money is like one aspect of it, but I also feel like that, you know, team size and, you know, resources and just like, you know, sort of influence in the market also affects it as well. So I think, you know, if you're a AAA studio, you have a lot of that influence, a lot of those resources, and probably a pretty good history of producing things. Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to when when you're talking about like in like the opposite end is the independent video game developer is just a company or a person or a studio where there's a limited size and like as far as the team goes, team size goes and there's also like limited or you know less significant financial support whether from its uh from a supporter or for, from a publisher or like some other outside investor. So yeah, it's just like the limits uh, limitations of like how big your team size is, your your portfolio as far as games go and then this financial support you've got yeah i think in the old days too it's also 
I guess it comes from an idea of like it comes from indie, you know, indie filmmaking or just and the both of those ideas, indie game development and indie filmmaking were from a time, a different time than we have now, right? Where anybody can publish a game. But in the past, to like to get a game out to people, the only method you have was to go through stores. And to go through stores, you had to get it published by a publisher to yeah. distribute it. The same way with a movie. You have to go to a studio to you gotta get a distributor for a movie. And in like the 80s and 90s and then the 90s starting with the indie game stuff, like you would, um, you know, you could, and I guess the game industry started this way with like games and Ziploc bags and stuff, you know, Ultima and stuff. But it's, a, it's the idea oh, yeah. that I don't need a distributor or a publisher. I'm going to put this out, sell it out of the back of my car, whatever. Nowadays, way easier. You know, you have the app stores, you have Steam, all those things where you don't need a publisher. So you don't have, that's kind of, when I think about indie sometimes, if they have, if it's a huge company giving them money, that's kind of not indie anymore in a way, you know, because they're like, well, you have a big publisher. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a harder line now because there's so much indie game development. And some of that is also that big companies are getting behind that in certain ways. So it can be a slippery slope. I don't know. It could just be a yeah, semantic what- thing. Well, no, you're right. He says the lines are starting to blur. If you start looking at it from a publisher aspect, it's like, you know, yeah, the publishers are realizing that these indie games can really, indie games being like these small teams that have no one backing them, but their own just sort of will to survive and get their idea out there. You know, it's like they're realizing those can make significant money for them. So they may actually back them and get them published, you know, whereas, you know, it's not like, and that's, not like, you know, a studio like Ubisoft or EA or somebody who's like, they've just got their sort of resource stock of developers. And then, you know, they can keep churning out their sort of ideas that are sort of the guaranteed established money makers. Yeah. And maybe that's another sort of thing, aspect of it too. It's like established money maker versus new idea type of thing. And I think it almost is almost like kind of akin to like a small business owner versus, you know, that someone, a small business owner can still get like a lot of money from an investor, but I don't versus think that's a corporation, right? Exactly. Basically. It doesn't yeah. really yeah, predicate them from, or stop them from being a small business, you know? So I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think that it, like you said, it is getting a little blurred, but I don't think, you know, money alone, like defines an indie versus a non-indie developer. Or studio, but it's so, but it's kind of like pornography. You sort of know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> I like all of our similes. Oh yeah, exactly. The old ladies reference there. So, <laughs> so if if an indie studio uh, makes a successful game, let's say uh, a game like Angry Birds, they stop being um, indie. Uh, or, I don't know. I, well, that's I, a good question. Yeah. I mean, but what do you con- consider as being indie? It's like when they get so many employees, they have like hundreds of employees. Is that not indie anymore? You know what I mean? It's Bungie who who bought themselves back from. Well, they're they're partnering with Activision, but they're not owned by Activision. Are they an indie? You yeah, know, yeah, I think I think it does. It, yeah, it does. There's like an upper limit because in that case, every single game company and game studio would be like an indie developer. developer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but see, there's also some budgetary things, I think, because it's like you think of an indie studio and I sometimes think of people like, you know, just like hair, like, or, you know, hair thin budgets, you know, that type of thing. It's like they're not getting the like catered meals every morning and lunch and evening and, you know, or like they don't have, again, like a stock of infinite resources. Like, oh, we need new computer monitors. Hold on. Let's just dial that in and order it. You know, it's like, right. You know, it's like they're saying like, oh, what can we kind of put together and like get done on our own? What resources can we scrape together and you know try to realize our dream? Um, gotcha. Yeah. 
It's a, it sounds like we're already we're already like jumping into the meat of the conversation, but I guess it would be mm-hmm. nice like to frame it in some of our like you know the pros and cons of AAA development. Yeah, because um, I think we've already well, touched on a lot of it already. What are you saying? Yeah, cause, yeah, because yeah, because I guess it has to do with all those parameters and what you define and where you draw the <laughs> limit. But that's true. So they all come up in the pros and cons. We can mention them. So I think we should start with the AAA. We'll yeah. end with indie because that's. Most of us, everybody's an indie at heart because everybody makes stuff of their own. But not everybody works started, at AAA. Yeah. yeah, but not everybody gave, might never work at AAA. They might always stay in indie because they want to do that. But Very let's start true. with yeah. tr- AAA then. So let's start with the pros of a AAA environment. What are some pros? Well, so we already mentioned one of them. It's um, you know resources, money. Like it's not infinite, but it's like right. it's it's pretty available. So you know if you if you need some software suite or some hardware. Or, you know, or some assets from the asset store or something like that. There's, there's, you know, if, if they think it'll, you know, save time and it's worthwhile, they pretty much won't balk at it. They'll spend it, you know, and not all indies are like, have to be so maybe tight laced, but at the same time, it's like, they're going to maybe think about it more. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. That's 50 bucks. It's a hundred bucks. It's a thousand bucks. You know, it's like, let's, how does that help us? What is that going to help us get done? You know? So, yeah, the cool thing about having a, bu- uh, a bunch of resources is that you can play with the uh, cool toys. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Bruce Wayne, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got to equate everything to a Marvel hero when you talk to Eduardo. That's not like a Marvel Bruce hero. That's DC. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd shame this man. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, like Bruce Wayne, you have lots of funding and you have unlimited like. Sometimes scope can, we'll get that could be reversely so too, but yeah. you can work on a project and you're kind of protected. Like, I just saw that, like, I guess that new Final Fantasy, I guess it's 15, they're calling that now, yeah. but that used to be called 13, and they've been working on it for 10 <laughs> years. Hmm. 10 wow. years, and that game yes. hasn't come out yet. So, that, I mean, for better or for worse, it makes, you know, projects like that possible where, like, we're still working on these ideas and there might not be, I mean, that's not always the best thing, but. You you have runway basically that you might not have if yeah. you need to make some yeah. revenue, which well, is definitely right. The, the whole planet, yeah. damn, ten years is a lot. Yeah, I don't think that was my choice though. <clears throat> That's kind of so scary. yeah. In addition <laughs> to like the unlimited scope that you can possibly have, you also have like larger team sizes with AAA developers. So, like we said with like Ubisoft or with um, you know a lot of your big companies, you have so many employees of different especially different talents, which you get, so you get large team sizes of large array of skills. Uh, and usually since you have that crazy amount of funding, you're able to like buy top talent when it comes to your team. So that's another huge pro for AAA developers. And you yeah. can just do things that aren't possible. <laughs> like with, like with we saw for example, you have the Assassin's Creed game where they're creating land. I mean, they can do where they were doing one every year or whatever, I mean, with the quality of the design, you know, withstanding, they can create, just generate assets because they, they, whatever main studio is working on it with over a hundred people, then they have different studios around the world with hundreds of people contributing to it too. So they're just <clears throat> cranking out, you know, here's a barrel, here's a building, here's a, th- you know, <laughs> now we've recreated Vienna. Now we've created Jerusalem, you know, like mm-hmm. you can create these massive things on massive scales, these massive environments that you just couldn't even attempt to if you were a couple people, you know, it's like, just couldn't happen. So those feats are kind of neat. And you can only do that with, by just throwing, you know, 
like a bunch of like artists and people like, and like being said, sometimes the best in the industry edit. And that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Have you ever seen it? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah. Have you ever seen some of the Ubisoft credits? They go on for like 20 minutes. Yeah. You can't wait through all of them. They're longer than like just normal superhero movie credits. You're like, all right. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, Vinny, if you're listening to this, I did see you at the, uh, in the black flag and some of the far cry stuff. (laughs) Oh, that was cute. (laughs) (laughs) Personal shout out. Yeah, no, I was going to say I was going to say that uh, having a large team um, is not only uh, a pro for the studio, but also if you are a game developer because you have a uh, networking opportunities. You can meet the best people in the industry and influential uh, like people that can take you to another step. So not only for as a company, but also as an employee is. It offers a bunch of opportunities. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah, it's good. <clears throat> I said that follows like the same motto in academia, like where, you know, I mean, you could be a scientist anywhere, but that's the idea of the research university where these top people go to certain universities to study or be or do the residency because these certain doctors or some professors are doing this groundbreaking work there. And the same thing with certain game studios and creative directors and lead programmers and stuff like people want to go work at certain places to work under certain people and get, you know, learn as much as they can. And sometimes I'm not saying, I mean, I think that a lot of times I think, I mean, sometimes maybe in the indie world, the innovation's more and there's some more exciting things sometimes, but the scale of some of these projects and some of the technology that's kind of being developed, you can't, you just can't recreate that anywhere, but some big studio with a lot of money that is getting the top people in the world, you know, like even this isn't even related to games, but when Oculus started, you know, they just came out a few weeks ago they can hire John Carmack and Avresh, all those people, then say, hey, our, our wish list of people and technologists we'd want to work on this, mm-hmm. come aboard, right? And you can't do that with, hey, I make $10 an hour and I would like to hire you if you'd like to help with my game, you know? So it's a... <laughs> well, you it's, know, it's, what, what, what's funny about that analogy exactly. is like... It, <laughs> Is that that was a Kickstarter? Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like and, it's it's the idea that kind of sold that and made that. I wouldn't even say it was not any because I think it, like it, Ryan's to Ryan's point, it's like it was a Kickstarter, but it's like the great idea or the you know the the technology behind it, and or it just came at the right time with the right. Well, but I'm not even saying that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about after they got bought by Facebook yeah, yeah. is when they hired all those people. That's true. So mm-hmm. that's like an illustration of how corporate money gives you the unlimited range. You're like, yeah, yeah, we can yeah. hire all those people. Exactly. Wait, the underlying. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'll uh, well, actually small correction there. I'm pretty sure. Carmack was at o- Oculus before the Facebook. Did he come buy. right before but, that? He was. He was. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was yeah, way okay. before. I think. Yeah. I think he but, was like once. Once they kicked, did the Kickstarter, and he went to like it was like some conference that they they met, and then that's when he joined. I yeah, think. they got what's his name from Valve after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Abrish came along after yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, that's that is kind of an interesting thing where it's like sort of the idea like drew talent. Yeah. And then, you know, like we were saying before, here's where the lines start blurring again. Is like all of a sudden the corporate starts to say like, oh, shit, this has got, mm-hmm. 
you know, some legs and people might like this. So. Yeah. Right, and I think right. that's why I say I kind of equated it to like small businesses, like any, any small business, like even if you have like a bake shop or bakery shop, you're, you could start off really small and then someone could taste your fruit and you're like, dang, this is amazing. And then those <laughs> lines really start blurring, you know, cause with the money investment. So I think like the underlying thing between separating the two is really just money. Like we, we may outline a couple of pros, but I think they're almost all tied into how much money, how much funding that How much money, are- yeah. They made $2.5 million on their Kickstarter. So it's like, at that point, are they not in anymore? That's, you know? like, it's like, <laughs> That's a good question, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The minute you hit a certain threshold. A million dollars in funding. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess cons now for... Yeah, so AAA? what are the bad talking about. Yeah. And this and and these cons can actually work for AAA, but just they probably work for most, most corporate environments too, I think. That's true. But, <laughs> yeah. So and the biggest guess, one, the yeah, talk about this one, the politics. No, you can talk. You can talk about it. All right, I was going to say the biggest one, and this this just has to do with human nature. And this one talks in that article that um we didn't even mention the article that you posted that time, and it was about destiny. And I think they talked to Marty O'Donnell, who was the composer for Bungie Forever, and then kind of got unceremoniously fired, I guess you know, and a couple other people. They they're kind of talking about their experience with that and just in a big environment. And they kind of mentioned the idea that if you just get a, enough people together, there's going to be certain amounts of conflict and trauma. If you get enough, he said, like, even if you like, even if it's a mixture of one, like if you get a bunch of junior developers, they're just going to make mistakes because they don't know. Right. And if you get, but if you get a bunch of senior developers, that really know what they're doing. They might be able to execute, but you're going to start having egos and people battling and thinking, you know, all this drama going on that doesn't have to happen, but just human nature it's it's probably likely that'll happen that'll pop up at some point in the process. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that because I mean I, I've seen that on teams before where you know it's like and I've seen that myself too where it's like you know maybe another senior guy is just like oh well, I'm going to do it this way and you start thinking to yourself well I maybe do it that way you know and de- depending on your personality you'll either maybe hear it out and like compromise on it or just say, okay, that's their domain, let them have it. But, you know, yeah, like you said, the more people you get in the mix, the more likely you are to have somebody who's like, well, F you, no, man, this is the way I've been doing it. And why should it be any different? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a bunch of arguments and it's, and maybe again, with that sort of like funding umbrella, you know, it's like, you don't have to worry about that as much. It's like, Oh, these two guys are kind of like fighting it out and, you know, well, we'll, we'll let them fight it out and resolve on one thing. But, you know, and th- for the whole production cycle, that may not affect the AAA as much, but, you know, on an indie that could, that could be devastating to have people arguing like that. But, you know, you're right. Like the, those, those, that is a big con and sort of like the AAA spaces, like these egos that get in the way, you know, and that type of sort of like, political and corporate sort of jousting. Yeah. In addition to like all the jousting of like people with with huge team sizes, you also get, um, you know, the inability to can really contribute in certain ways. Like uh, Andrew was mentioning earlier, like, um, uh, you know, having these other studios that are just cranking out assets, like for a game, like maybe all you're doing is just doing 20,000 iterations of a barrel or, you know, five, 5,000 iterations of a, of a crate, you know, so you're really, or you, or maybe you just have like so much people or so much people above you, like an art director or a lead art director, you know, just like a lot of people over you and just saying, Hey, you know, you got to redo this or we need to, you need to retop of this. You know, there's just like so many levels of authority that where you're really not, you're really just a cog in the wheel. And you feel like that by just doing certain things, not really contributing as far as like, 
your creative side. You know, you're just doing function. You know, you're just performing a function. Yeah. You're yeah. on cape physics. Just worry about cape physics. Exactly. Well, and, and especially <laughs> from, well, especially from like a, I mean, because we're kind of like approaching this two ways. It's like just being involved. Say you had that studio, like making that game, how effective is it? But also just being inside there as an employee. And like, I, Bean and I have talked about this before, just in general, talking about jobs and like, you know, managing people or whatever. It's like the idea, my, I've always said this in one of my, and I've heard this other places, but I always thought two things are like the most important things. If you work somewhere and you're an employee and we're all employees of places, is that one, you want to feel a sense of autonomy and ownership over what you're doing, just in a little bit. You don't might not own the thing or own the company, but you want to feel like you have a kind of your master of your own destiny. You feel like you're using your expertise to help something, help the company. Yeah. But two, you also want to feel respected just as a person, as an employee, as a thing. And the big ones, like, you know, being said, you can get to be a cog and especially get to crunch time. If it's really big and like, why aren't those crates? We need 80 more crates. I don't <laughs> care how long you have to stay. Like, and it's not the, and this has to do, I mean, this is totally relative to the company culture. You know, we're done yeah. just talking about horror stories that I've heard that you're, you just feel like you're a cog in the wheel and that one, you're not respected and you have no control over the game or something like, or you just, you're just making stuff. It wouldn't even matter if you're making it for a game or whatever at that point. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. it, it really does come down. I think this almost is getting to a different topic, topic but it does come down to co- company culture. Well, this is, I think this is the, the center of this debate, though, is culture. That might yeah, be, yeah, you know. exactly. Because that boils down to leadership. Like, it's like you're feeling like a cog in a wheel or your contribution. Even if, like, I think if ta- your, your team size does get huge or relatively large, I think you can you know, it does come down to culture and leadership that can make you feel like you're contributing to a, a project. Um, I think at almost any scope. I mean, cause so. even if you think about what we, what I said before about if you have, and Ryan was talking about, like if you have a large enough team size and the egos come involved, like mm-hmm. analyze why are those egos becoming involved? Because usually what I've experienced at companies and stuff is that it's what happens is it's cause people feel insecure, right. About their position, and a lot of times people start trying to defend their position at the company rather than trying to make the best thing. Mm-hmm. So if you take a strong position on something and you're really arguing for it, and then after a while you realize you're wrong, some people will just dig in, you know, because yeah, yeah. like, then I feel like if I make, if I admit that I made a mistake, that means I'm dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of things where people justify their job and they're not actually trying to make the best game or whatever it is. And so, and that has to do with culture of becoming in there and saying a lot of companies that, I mean, I know, I don't, I'm not saying Facebook's the greatest company to work in, but I know they had that motto about like move fast and break things. Like the idea you need to, you know, engender an idea of that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to try things. It's okay to be wrong. Nobody's going to get fired. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fail fast and often, you know, like, like we need to get, we didn't know that, but it's okay to do that. And that's hard. I mean, it's hard to kind of. Yeah, and I think it gets even harder when you talk about game development and AAA game development because the the I guess the idea is AAA development is really so volatile or games in general are volatile. Yeah. So like if your game doesn't make money or if you you guys aren't doing well, then it's you know it's going your time to downsize. So you may lose your job. You know, there, there's that it's always that that looming worry that you could lose your job or you can't if you're not performing to the best of your ability or not performing better than the next person next to you. There's a chance that you know something bad could happen. So you're it's kind of hard to – that's where you can get, like, those vying for attentions or, you know, that struggle of power between people who you work with. So, again, like you said, it does come down to culture and, and instilling that positive culture of, you know, changing and, and doing your best and not really 
you know, out of fear, <laughs> working out of creativity right. and not out of fear. Well, because it's not, a, it's not a sure thing. I mean, if we're going to consider games as art and we would definitely consider that on the indie level. Mm-hmm. So we can say that it's all artistic work and craftsmanship that goes into the higher level stuff. I mean, even more of those and uh, movies are this way too. They're art productions that are take a huge amount of people, but even those are kind of blueprinted from the beginning or as the process goes, you know what you have. I think this works. I think this is working. We got it. Games, you can be all along your plan. Like we said, this is our motto of the show. Games are hard. That's my new, mm-hmm. we're going to make a t-shirt and say games are hard. <laughs> yeah. But but you, it can be that everybody's working hard, everybody's sacrificing, and it still doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and it's still like, oh, no, we need to do something with this. And so it's like, like you said, it's volatile. It's like, it's just so unpredictable because you can't create, you know, you can't create lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody's trying to do. And, you know. So it's, it's, it's tough at a big thing because, because we, I mean, the down and also the downside of what you're talking about unlimited funds. We didn't mention this. Those aren't free funds. You know, that's like, that's like, he's like, Oh, look, you got a, you got a million dollar advance on your album. It's like, well, you need to sell that first before you, because they'll take that money back. So because you have so much money, that means they expect quadruple out of you. And if you don't make that, that's a problem. And that's a lot of pressure building up too if you get a lot That's of money a you can't of deliver yeah mm-hmm. yeah you look you look at some of these studios where it's like you know say hey like one of the grand theft autos takes a hundred million dollars to make a hundred million dollars you are talking about like big hollywood productions at that point right you know it's like it's gotta you know thankfully like in the first week or so it can make 500 million a half billion dollars for god's sake you right. know um but it's yeah the pressure on that is a amazing you know and it's like if you can't deliver on that that's gonna break things fast yeah. but um and that's where those relationships be and the whole point we're saying that is because the con of that and just in the big kind of whole view of like ten thousand foot view of that is that when those relationships break down the organization breaks down right and then you have problems finishing stuff and then the game and because the game's a lot of tiny moving parts and everybody's gotta be working together and that's what i mean we that article mentioned destiny but it didn't talk about the big problem that happened with destiny where they you know somehow somebody decided we talked about this before right where the story was out of whack right or they right, didn't like yeah. it and so the whole company decided let's just change it and so there's all this discourse and all these people like <laughs> changing it but it's like that and then you end, you get a game that, the, I mean, frankly, is mixed results and wasn't complete when it got released. And it paid, and they paid for it until they finally finished it a little more, you know? So, yeah, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, thankfully, I guess the core gameplay was solid enough. It was Bungie. They can make a shooter like up and down. But like, yeah, the story ideas from that, because of that confusion you were talking about, we're just, everybody's like, it was a d- like, what the hell is this? You know? But it's a disappointment and that goes against their reputation. I'm like, I'm going to buy everything that yeah. they do. And as a studio, that's all you have is reputation. Yeah. So it becomes that yeah. I need to control. It's like, it's just man, all those moving parts are important to make the whole. And it's just, it's just unwieldy unless you have some kind of guy or some kind of guy or gal behind it leading the whole thing that has the big vision. So. <laughs> I don't envy those people sometimes managing two yeah. other people. So, cool. and that sort of straddles like both the realms. Like the vision is important for both like indie and or triple uh, A and indie. I mean that that is I feel like the crux of all of it. But that's another sort of thing. Well, that's a good. Well, that's a good segue because going into indie games, that's one of the pros. We start with pros is that I mean in the indie field, this is the this is the like they talk about in like. 
uh, the movie field is like the director's medium, but in TV, the writers can rule everything. That's the same way this is like in the indie field, the game designers and the game, the, the auteur of the game development world, they rule the roost because that vision, they can take that, you know, like to, from start to finish exactly how they want it and not like what Vina said, just be a cog. You can do whatever you want to. And that's a pro, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely oh. a pro because as a developer, you have you get to work in all aspects of the game and you get more experience, um, more recognition, and you feel like the project is like your baby. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the the trip indie development is basically like you know when you're a kid and someone comes up to you and says you know if you believe it you can achieve it. That's essentially what indie development is. Like anything you dream up, you really can just try to you know accomplish that in a game. So that's what that's that that level of autonomy you have in indie game development is pretty basically anything you want to try and do, you can try and do it. And that's something you do not get when you go to a, a AAA studio. It's it's not your. It's rarely your idea through and through. Um, Even if it is, you don't have any like there gets, you know, it gets harassed the entire it gets, way. Yeah, it's harassed yeah. and distilled and you know mangled before it gets to production or it gets shipped. So, so yeah. And I think that that is the juxtaposition is that you know you what you may sacrifice in resources on indie. Um, is that those sacrifices are because you are not beholden to somebody else. Yeah. And so you can maybe more truly execute, the team can more truly execute their vision for something because they're saying, no, these resources are on us. We don't have to answer to you and you're, you gave us X amount. You know, I, I granted Kickstarter is kind of a weird thing nowadays where it's like, you know, you are could be beholden to fans, but they just kind of give you panhandling money, and then you do whatever you want. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, seriously, you're, it's really what well, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's you, a it's a contribution. You're not you're not. It's not an investment or yeah, like a yeah. guarantee. Right. You don't exactly. get money back. You don't get say. But I mean, at the same time, um, you know, say that aside, that's kind of a a one off or another discussion. But you know, it's like you don't have to answer to money men necessarily. I mean. There are, I'm sure, instances where you do because you've got a loan or somebody may have invested in your idea. But, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have much, I feel like, much more flexibility because well, you are trying to stand Bernie on Sanders your Sanders of gaming? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> feel the burn. Like, yeah. Like, feel the well, burn. The problem is, well, you can actually, there, the goal can be not to make money too like there's no company or that's not the goal you know a game dev company that's big triple a like yeah they're they're there to make money but and they want to make good stuff but they need to make money and with a game studio like if an indie dev i mean you can have a job and do stuff and be totally fine with your finances yourself and it's like i just want to make this yeah. right i think this i want to try this experiment you know we talked about that dragon cancer game i don't know if they tried to do that to make money but it's another kid dying of cancer It's like like that stuff like that would not happen in the AAA world. People are like, nobody's going to buy that. But they wanted to do it as an artistic expression and, you know, emotional expression of their situation, and they did it. So, like, that's where you get the real art side and the artsy kind of experiences that no publisher would ever approve because they're not concerned about money. They're just – they want to do something, and they think it might be neat. Yeah. Right. They're Or more concerned with the expression and getting – that out there because like you're right you know how, you know like we, we've talked about firewatch before and you know that dragon cancer it's like you know 
you don't really set out to do that to say like, oh, we're going to make, you know, millions of dollars. Easy, right. you know, $500 million in the first month, guys. We know we're going to do this. No, it's like you have an idea of an experience you want to convey to somebody and you think that is worth a certain dollar amount, you know, and mm-hmm. that that will actually, you know, fund you. And, you know, a lot of us do this because this is what we love. And so you're like, hey, this can sustain me and I think we can make some money off of it. And it's what we want to do, you know, so... And you're not like, again, beholden to somebody else to say like, well, if this doesn't sell like, you know, 2 million units and piss off, you know. All right. What are you saying, Eduardo? Oh, I was going to say that. Um, also, as an indie, you can have all the time that you want. If, if you have your um, your job from nine to five, you can spend all the time that you want play, um, working in your game. Uh, and you're making it just to learn if you want to. Right. Because you want to get better, in, and you know that maybe your fifth game is the one that is going to uh, score high, but the first four is just to learn how to integrate whatever Google Play services and how to publish in the App Store. And yeah. you you don't have that pressure. Yeah, that, you can make it whatever you want. Yeah, like we said, yeah, that's I think that goes back to the autonomy. Like, there's no there's no imposed timeline. There's no imposed deadline. There's no imposed you know criteria that you have to adhere to when you're in indie development. That, that's like if there is, it's always or you know mainly will always be like self imposed. Like you're it's and self imposed. Yeah, that's deadline, one of our best practices design. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because that could also be a con. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I think I think almost with everything we say, it can, it's, it's a pro and a con. There's yeah. a pro and con to everything um and that's just life <laughs> so yeah that is it a, <laughs> nothing's black and white it's all gray yeah <laughs> and, um, uh, but but to that the autonomy like we have a, a second one here is that because of that i mean they're separate they're, you know you can have solo teams you can have dev teams that are indie teams but let's just like even just from a solo dev talking about even from an indie dev and you have a team like you have the ability to touch every part of the game <laughs> From the music to the, you know, the programming to the design to the art, you know, and most of the time when you have a team or you're just, especially when you're just by yourself, you are doing all those things. And like, that's a, such a fascinating thing. And to me, that's one of the things I enjoy because I've had experience in some of those different areas and it's fun to come together and, and like experiment with all those areas. But you learn so much that you might not do if you were just a programmer at some company, you know, or exactly. just a art texture artist for environments at some company. Yeah. And know? even if you don't like physically touch every aspect of your indie game, like if you're if you're a sound guy and you don't do any program or you don't do any art, you're still like exposed to every piece. Like you You're in the see, trenches there, right? With yeah, them, you're in the right? trenches. Like you you maybe I don't know if you guys do it. Maybe you're on the Skype group or maybe you're in the Slack group or maybe you guys talk on the phone each other like every week or something like but you're constantly exposed to what's going on in the game and able to like influence it in certain ways you know if you want to so and that's that's how you learn like you're able to see like how people are using the engine or uh, sorry i'm using like a game engine or using certain you know tools to do certain things in games that you're learning constantly so that's like a huge pro i think for indie game development is the exposure to game development because you know outside of that you're really not you don't really know, figure out how to or see how all the wheels turn and you know what moves into make a game because yeah you learn so much there's just so much that goes into a game that you know if you sit down and you're like just looking at like uh, artist work or sound designer work you're seeing so much how much pieces go into making a game like just music is a huge piece just art is another huge piece and design or like getting a 
game design document together is a huge piece of a game that you'll learn, you know, throughout the phase, all the phases of game development. So, yeah, one big pro that I see in in the game development is that you not only learn uh, several parts of the game development process, but you also develop entrepreneurship um, skills because for many indie game developers, you're making the game because you want to make a game development uh, company. So it's a business. So you have to take care, oh, let's see how this can make money. And you start thinking in other areas that are not uh, game development. And you don't have to think about that in uh, a AAA studio. Well, that's true. That That's a, that's actually a good point. I, mean, I don't know if that that's the majority of people want to make a business, but it gets you out. If, if you want to do this and you want to do this for a living, it forces you out of your shell. Because, I mean, you might get that if you work for a company and go to some kind of conference or something, but you have to get better at those soft skills of marketing or, you know, talking to people or talking to the mm-hmm. press people or pushing your game, actually trying to sell it. Because, exactly. I mean, uh-huh. if you're if you're an artsy type, you're like, yeah, I don't really <clears throat> feel comfortable doing that. And we all felt like that at times, right? Mm-hmm. But if you make something that you believe in, you should. it's not about selling it and being sleazy. It's about getting out there and letting other people experience it. I and mean, if you believe in it, then it's you're doing a service to them that they could experience it. So that's a, it, it's a neat, it allows you to come out of your shell a little bit, which is neat. Yeah. And rarely, rarely, rarely do you have like a single solo dev that can do just about everything that can do all the music, all the art, all the programming and all the marketing that's going to be rare. So it also offers you opportunities, like you said, to go out and talk with someone that doesn't, you know, that knows a skill that you do not know and maybe invite right, them into right. the fold and learn what they do and learn how to work together. So you do get to learn and you get to talk with other people of different skill set whenever you like need something like even like finding a podcast, like finding the debug log or finding another podcast. is another like, you stepping out of there and seeing finding the debug log, not another. I just meant like maybe a, a art podcast or something. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> An <laughs> art <laughs> podcast named the debug log. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, just going out and seeing, experiencing the other uh, aspects and other disciplines of game development. You know, that kind of forces you, like Andrew was saying, forces you out of this shell and to do that but yeah yeah cool. and, I, and it gets you to like talk like that's just as a weird like you if you go up doing that stuff but it just managing people and managing like getting if you want artwork from somebody and then they don't give you something you like and you know dealing with that that's a whole other social situation yes, like, it's just true. these are great skills that it'll make your game better because the more you can i mean People might not understand this, and we've all learned this as our career and stuff. The more you can art, and we learn this, and the show helps us do this. Start a podcast, do whatever you want to about that, because those kinds of skills really do help you either further your own games or further your careers. Because the more you can kind of articulately talk about the stuff you're passionate about, you're going to go farther. <laughs> you know, yes. that's always the case. I agree. Yeah, just be learn, involved. You, yeah. yeah, you learn a lot of leadership skills. I think when you, if you're when you're starting like a, a game studio or just working on a game, period, you learn like and with other people, especially that's of course kind of requ- requisite. It's just you learn a lot of leadership skills, like how to talk to people, how to communicate your ideas. Uh, how to get people to basically how to convince people to do what you want them to do, it's, especially if right. you're like in a like the head of of a game. Like you know, I want you know, this is my vision for a game. You have to like Andrew was saying, be able to communicate that and also get them to do something. Basically, do what you want. Like I said, do what you want for your game uh, in and a get way people that people excited about ideas. Exactly. Yeah, motivate motivate people, yeah, people yeah. not only convince them. 
that's, yeah, that's yeah, really important. Convince and inspire. Yeah. I think we talked about in a previous podcast, just like inspiring people to get behind the vision of your game. Otherwise, because because this is a con, but maybe I should wait for it. No, we're, um, we're transitioning into cons. Okay. So, so, yeah, one of the cons, like you have a vision, but like motivation behind indie development is the hardest for me, it's been one like one of the hardest things to keep yeah. afloat. Like getting someone, even keeping yourself motivated, um, not even just like keeping yourself motivated to stay on a schedule, but keeping yourself motivated just to make a game or to finish a game. That's like the hardest part I feel like of indie game development. And then also trying to inspire and you know persuade other people to be excited, just as excited about you uh, as you are about your game is extremely difficult. Um, and like constant, like one of the, I guess one of my, uh, I guess tricks to the trade as far as keeping things, keeping people motivated is just constantly having progress, whether it's like a small piece of progress, whether it's art progress, sound progress, or, you know, just some piece of your project done. Uh, constantly doing that is one way to keep people motivated about a vision. And like we said in our game design document, is having that game design document available for other people to read through and to get inspired by. That's another like um, quick, easy fix that not fix, but help people get inspired about your game is having well, that that's available. A, and that's a lesson from like the movie industry too. Cause are, you always see when you're, you watch special features, you're like, you have a concept artist, right? Mm-hmm. And for games too. And you're like the original idea is like, cause the context you see the content, the concept artist work is that, they're creating these ship designs or these people designs or whatever is supposed to be the environment that's supposed to go into the game. And that all works. And you see, cause they always show like, this is the concept. This is the finished product. Look how much it like, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. they show the comparison and like, and that's the utility of it. And that is half of the utility of it. But if you actually listen to this and if you pay attention to some of those, what they'll say is, is that that was the concept artist, but then we printed that out and hung that in our studio. Because that we got so inspired by those those artworks, like those yeah. pieces of artwork, and so that's true. Like you said, it's like these pieces, the pieces, of the concept art. And I know the game you're working on. I've been you shared music and stuff with us. All those things they create momentum, and the yeah. momentum is what keeps everybody rolling and going. Why am I making this inventory system? Yeah, exactly. Why am I it, programming this? Why am I going to great links and best practices the debug logs prescribed and <laughs> exactly. making this inventory system so robust? Exactly. And, and not that, only doing that, that piece of artwork it, or that piece of music that I'm listening to, you know, exactly. And doing that at 12 o'clock at night or on a Saturday after night, work. You know, after work, right. exactly. That's yeah. what really is going to keep you going. The more momentum you have, that's the, it's actually the faster you're going to progress in your game. And so I would just keep it, keep, it's like that snowball rolling down a hill. It's, that's the way to keep it going. So don't let it so stop. Related to, related to that though. So let's say another con, say you have a big, you're like, like for you have a project now, you're working on MMO and you're working with a bunch of people. Problem with that is if it's just you, yeah, whatever, it's free. That's a, that's one of the pros we didn't mention. It's free for you to work on whatever you want to. It's just mm-hmm. your time. But if you need to branch out and you want to do something a little more ambitious and you don't, and you want to really work with people that are just awesome, you don't have any money. That's a problem. Like no funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, that's a problem to have people motivated. <laughs> right. And that's a problem. <laughs> that is a great motivation. motivation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, pe- so good, like it, yeah, it's hard to find skilled people who, who are free, you know, unless it's like your best friend, your brother, sibling. It's really hard to find people that are. That's where that's when it comes down to, like, you being able to really sell your vision and sell yourself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, someone who even if you have like an amazing vision or amazing idea, but you didn't put any work into it yet. 
that's not that's not really motivating for someone else looking at it. So you really right. have to sell yourself, sell your vision, sell your game, uh, and then maybe reach out for some c- type of funding. And funding in this case may not always be money; it could just be time, someone else's time, or someone else's insight, even. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised how much if you just ask for people's help and say, Hey, or even have fair terms, like, Hey, let's all split this when this is done, but let's work on this. Like, whatever it is, you don't know. I mean, because even those people might work at some company, but they're not happy with what they want to do. So, like you said, if you can inspire them and like really commit and the, get everybody, like I said, there's two things Andrew's two rules of employees that <laughs> they feel autonomous and they feel respected in that project and they feel like they have a little bit of leeway and they can do what they want to, but everybody, you know, everybody feels supportive. It's collaborative. Mm-hmm. Some people just want that because they don't get that at work. Yeah, so a lot, that can yeah, go a, lot a long people, way. You know, exactly. A lot of people that are like in these creative fields, disciplines that we are in, they just some people don't have like an extra side project, but they love to have an extra side project in like another game. Like I've I've met a lot of people who because they just feel looking, like a cog, right? <laughs> exactly, they feel like a cog, or they feel like you know I need something different. Or I just need I'm doing maybe database management all the time crates, at work, crates all day. I'm making crates. <laughs> I'm making crates. Let's stick with. I'm making crates all day. I just want to make you know a crates building. and barrels. Yeah, I want to make a building. I want to make a shack or something. Or so characters just, and all that. Yeah, exactly. There's something else for them to do. And if you can just spin your idea in a way that says, okay, I'm not going to just throw. I'm not throwing my time away. I'm not throwing my my talents away to this guy or this woman. Um, then you know I can work on it for you. So, because some people work on things or give you things for free. Like some people can give you a lot of things, like a lot of expensive things. I've gotten servers. I've gotten you know a lot of oh, great artwork. Talk, yeah. Yeah, we've talked game to guys. Hosting. That, yeah, game hosting. Uh, <laughs> Eric Peterson. You know, we've gotten we've gotten servers for free. Uh, you know, just by talking with them and and going like Andrew said, stepping out and talking to someone, and just putting yourself out there and putting your vision out there and, and letting them know. Like I said, selling yourself and selling your vision, um, so they can get excited about it and say, okay, this is not a this is an investment I'm making as well into this person. Or, All right, so yeah. let's talk about another con then. That we might that there, there's a cons. little bit. Well, <laughs> they keep we're returning all these into positives. How to overcome the cons? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we <laughs> are. <laughs> that's, that's good yeah. though. No, this is the, this is this no, is what fine. we're talking about. Like, it's like it's talking about cons. Oh, this could suck, and then it's like, oh, but this could happen. There's a rainbow yeah. at the end. <laughs> so with so with the idea of scope being limited, like because the idea at first you would say, and it is limited. I mean, that is a fact. It is limited to an extent. You can't make Assassin's Creed. Some whatever slash unity slash assassin's revenge for like you can't do that as an indie. Tell me, like when I was in school, I was like, oh, I'm going to make Mortal Kombat X. Oh yeah, <laughs> as soon as I finish, yeah. Oh, when I gosh. started, <laughs> yeah, when I started working as a game developer, I was like, that's not going to happen. Forget about it. Just wait several years. I mean, no, that is classic though. I don't know, like. How many times I'd get in groups in like school or like, you know, uh, other institutions after like undergrad and, you know, people be like, oh, we're going to make this MMO or we're going to do this thing. Like, really? With what resources? Because you, you don't mean, really have a good idea for scope right now. Right. Because there, I mean, theoretically, yes, it's possible. But there's like some kind of equation of like time plus talent plus money. You know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> Theoretically, in 40 years, you might make Mortal Kombat X, but we're beyond that at that point, you know, Eduardo, so it wouldn't even matter anymore. But like, so it's not about that you can't do that, or it's like not even asking the idea that it is, we're going to, this is turning into a pro too, but like, it's just advice for that con because you, you are limited, but for the indie, 
I mean, the one of the greatest creative catalysts in the world is limitations because mm-hmm. that forces you out of a box into a box and, and subsequently out of that box and saying, mm-hmm. what can I do with these said limitations? If I can't make great graphics, what do I make? I'll make block people. If I can't do that, if I can't make content, I'll make procedural things. And then I have Minecraft now. Yeah, and, that, you know and I, mean? I think that's that's what like, indies can do is look for that minimum viable game or minimum viable product, and just you know focus on that. You know, and then they can pu- you know that's the that's the good thing about indie development. You can publish with an MVP, you know, or you know minimum viable product, and then put that out there, and then build on that. Whereas a AAA, you know, you got you've got to give us a lot more than just the basics, or a lot more than just you know a pretty picture. I need true some crazy. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry, true, not to interrupt, but I mean, but are they sacrificing at that point? Because, I mean, yeah, we can spin this as a positive, but we kind of kept cons to cons and AAA. Let's keep it <laughs> as a con and an indie. And it's like, you may be sacrificing a vision. You may, like, have first thought, I want to do this. Well, fuck, you can't. Now, granted, it's, it's being agile. It's being able to, like, you know, make lemons out of lemonade. Or, yeah, sorry, making lemonade out of lemons. But, you know, it's like one of those things where – you know, you may have to sacrifice some shit. You may want this advanced, you know, sort of world map or inventory system or just whatever it is, but it has to get scaled back or adapted. Or you say like, let's make it look all eight bitty because we can't afford graphics. You know, it's like how many games have come out recently that have this sort of like eight bit retro feel. And you kind of got to ask yourself, is it retro or is it budget? You know, and whatever the reason, if it works, it works. But, you know, at the same time, you may be sacrificing, some systems, some visuals, some scores, some design you had in mind, but you just couldn't do it because your indie budget wouldn't allow for it. And granted, you may still come up with some good ideas, but at the same time, you're like, if only we'd had more money, we could have done X. I've That's never true. been there. I'm not going to act like I've been there, but I feel like that I've has always to had happen. money. I've yeah, always been I've rich and famous. I've just never published a truly indie product. And I'll you believe I'm going to be the first one. <laughs> I've worked for I've companies. Been I'm well sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a good point, Ryan. But you poor it's, people can complain about whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> of keeping keeping the cons, yeah. the cons. I guess just to uh, go back to the AAA is that I think almost everything that we've mentioned, all the pros can be cons, all the cons can be pros, or it can be turned in a way to be a, a and pro. all the cons can be opportunities to be pros. Yeah, yeah. opportunities for both the yeah. AAA developer and the indie developer. So just to I guess shine that's some the light on it. Yeah, that is right? that. It's the it's the context, and it's how you adapt and apply yourself to your context. Well, and you it's know, also you, the personality you, type too. What is more appropriate to right. you, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, it's like yeah, what's appropriate to you, and that goes into sort of your, like your team construction or your company construction. But it's like you know, actually playing to your strengths yeah, in yeah. either field. You know, it's like. Do you have a lot of money? Do you have a lot of talent you can acquire like that? Yeah, AAA, there's been huge successes with that. Indie, there's been people with a lot of vision, a lot of talent, and they're willing to say, hey, I'm going to sacrifice maybe a little salary and get on a smaller team, and I really want to do this. If those people really want to thrive in their context, then it can fucking work. Yeah, I think think that's a great point, Ryan. I think that kind of sums it up. Like the the indie developers out there and the AAA developers out studios out there that we've seen, the ones that are doing really good are the ones that are really playing to their strengths as developers. I think that's like almost like been the headline for all, like all the ones that you can look at. Like I'm thinking about like the Firewatch guys or, you know, the 
Angry Birds guys. They like playing in hipster whale. You know, like those are people are people that playing to play to play to their strengths as as developers and as a group. You know, when you look at their like their skill set, that's really what they did. So, well, and that and to me, and I, and I've talked, I've had these conversations with you guys offline for us. Like that's that is the condensation. Like that's what game development is, and that's why we love it. Is because game development is just problem solving. Right. Mm-hmm. That and and all programming is that, but the reason we like game development over other types of programming because it's like it's very like condensed problem solving. It's very interesting and there's a lot of different issues that come up. And that's what you have to look at those actual limitations as, right? Saying like, I can only do this, I can only do this. But what if I with those elements, what's what can I do? And the people that do, like you said, the hipster whales, all those people of the world, they've gotten those limitations, made a simple thing in that framework. And it's awesome, right? So it's like that, that. That's why I was saying limitations like the catalyst for creativity because it can create something that is amazing. And that's and frankly, and that's a con of, um, you know, of AAA sometimes too. Because I mean, it's not necessarily for a person working at the ground level, but for the bigger like design team there, it's like, I mean, <laughs> if you have the sky's the limit, the problem is you get lost, and it can be muddled, and it just ends up being this thing with so many features. You're like, I don't know what this is anymore. So. It's, it, it, they're both pros and cons, but what I was saying about personality is that it, everybody doesn't have to be an indie dev. Everybody doesn't have a triple A dev. If you want to be a game developer, that can express itself in a lot of different ways. But some people like working for companies. You know, They enjoy that, and that's fine. Everybody likes working for companies, making money, but and some people want to make their own thing. You know, it's like, and it's all hard, no matter what it is. Working for a company, the game development's hard. The game industry's hard. Working by yourself is hard. They always say, like, about certain careers, like, if you can imagine doing your doing something else, do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you like yeah. to do it, no, I mean, really. So it's like, and, no, it's, I agree. and I don't think one's harder than the other. They both have their, you know, their hardships, you know, combined. They're both equal, I think. So it's just, if whatever, it's just whatever fits your personality and whatever, Kind of scares the shit out of you, I would think. That's usually the, and that's using my compass of which way to go to. It's like if working at a company around great people and all that scares the shit out of you. Go after that. If making your own game that scares the shit out of you, do that. You know, because that's what you're supposed to do. Because that that'll make you learn the most. No, dude, I totally agree with you. Um, I I think that like sort of slight fear you get for a new situation is probably a good indicator because right. if you're comfortable and cocksure or whatever about it and I mean, there's just type A's maybe that do that, but at the same time, if if you're not a little worried, you're probably not challenging yourself. And this is a whole other topic again, but you know, yeah. as for the indie, I feel like there's a lot of that. It's like you kind of feel this enough drive that overcomes that worry that it could really be something. It's like you know, yeah, I could like drop everything, start my own studio, start working on my own game, and God damn it, that scares the hell out of me. But if I overcome that, if I actually chase that, then there's, you know, it doesn't always work out. But at least that's, you know, a good indicator that you're challenging yourself. And it may be worth a shit because you've yeah. sort of beaten yourself into doing it. The resistance. I totally agree with you guys because if you do something that you're passionate about and even if you're afraid, go for it. Because it's not only that even if you don't um, reach the goal, you have to enjoy the journey, and Amen. you you will yeah you will never um, lose. So if you fail, you learn a, a, a way that you cannot do it. Yeah. So right. and yeah. if you do it, you did it. Well done. But 
never be afraid to to go ahead and uh, dream big. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, everyone else said they agreed. I, I figured I'd just chime in again and say yes. This, I think, everyone is saying the the perfect thing because it, it, it's so true. It's like it really doesn't matter. I feel like the journey is like in indie development, the journey is the like the key actually in everything in life, really <laughs> the journey is the key. Like that's where you're learning the most. That's what you're experiencing the most. That's where you're growing the most is in the journey. When you get to the end, it almost doesn't matter. It's always the journey that really matters. Uh, and mm-hmm. so same true is with games. Like it's the, 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 the middle part of the game, the struggle, the, the ups and downs, the, the marketing, the, you know, the losing people, the losing motivations, the gaining motivation and the, the shipping, you know, everything, you know, the culmination at the end or, you know, the ending is really not what matters. What happens all the way in between that is really where you're growing and really where you're learning the most. That's yeah. the best part. Until you don't course. sell enough to pay rent and then you're like, God damn it, the end game. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I totally agree with what you, a lot of what you said, but then there's also that, you know, to put the pros and cons on it, uh, we needed money too. So. Well, that's always the thing. You got to eat. Yeah, but then the same eat. thing happened with a AAA. They could go out of business and you still. Right. Oh, absolutely. SOL. No, oh, I'm not defending one or the other there. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> That was good. That turned into a nice philosophical thing in the end. That was I like this episode. <laughs> yeah. Eduardo, I love how you say passionate. That was that was that's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna say it like that all passionate, man. Yeah, see, it's awesome. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was good. So our, our verdict was basically do what you love, <laughs> whatever your personality try both of them. Work at a place for a while, you know, make your own games. Obviously, when you start make your own games, but I mean you might want to try work at a place. Nothing's permanent. You know, you move on, do different things. That's the real thing of our generations and all these (laughs) beyond our parents' generations are like, you work at a place for 30 years. Now we're like, I don't stay at a job more than two years. What do you mean? So like you move on, you try different things. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. We didn't really leave you an answer. We just left you with some good motivation, I guess. So that's all we can hope for. Um, before we let, leave tonight, I was going to do a game of the week for one of my old Unity games I used to like, but I actually remembered something. A friend of mine named Scott Waters, who I used to be in a band with called Bell's Wake, that Obina knows, um, he is actually helping out with a project. He, he has these people, um, it's a documentary, it's a game dev story documentary, so we all love these things. And it's called, there's a game called Crashlands. It's out on Steam right now. You can go check it out. It's by a company called Butterscotch Shenanigans. And this, these guys, these other guys, they were doing these dev stories. They were going to do these 15-minute dev stories for a bunch of given, different developers in the St. Louis area. That's where they're based. And they're, apparently, there's kind of a burgeoning game scene in St. Louis, which is pretty cool. Um, they started doing these little series, but they started talking to these guys who made Crashlands, Butterscotch Shenanigans, and their story is incredible because there's three brothers who are this company, this indie company. And uh, and one of the brothers got cancer while the game was going on. Like this, this whole thing. So now they're making it into a feature length movie. And if you check out the trailer, it's really neat. It looks like it's you know if you any got anybody seen indie game the movie or stuff like that, it looks pretty the, much the same. So you should check it out. They have a Kickstarter right now. Just search for Crashlands story and Kickstarter, and you'll find it. But I thought that was cool. I love. I'm such a sucker for game dev documentaries. You know, like inside behind the scenes right look. Yeah. Especially when it's like has a heartbreaking story behind you, like, oh my goodness. And so 
So anyways. What is it with you and cancer stories? <laughs> I just said that tonight. I just said the other one. And the other dragon one. And yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding, man. No, anyways. It, it sounds, I'll watch it. I'll support it. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at thedebovlog at gmail.com. You can send questions, uh, criticisms, not criticism. Send criticisms to no, Zach criticisms. at thedebovlog.com. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's a good one. He won't check He's it. He's going to love it. He won't check it. He's never, he never logged in. He might not even listen to this, but you can. I don't, I don't even think he has like email accounts. He's he just does. Like, yeah. I pay for it every send month. Send it on paper. Right? So, I don't <laughs> but, I'm um, the youngest. I want paper. Yeah. Hipster yeah, emails, all Snapchat now, right? That's all the kids are doing. But um, uh, the best way on a weekly basis you want to talk to us is you can go to our private Facebook group. It's called the Debug Lounge on Facebook. And the best way to join that is to subscribe to our uh, newsletter, The Loop, at thedebuglog.com. We just sent out a newsletter, our second one today. Eduardo's keeping up with that. Yeah. So uh-huh. um, if you join that, you, you know, Eduardo will add you to the Facebook group. Also, you know, you can just search for it on Facebook, which we had a lot of people do. There we we have a lot of interesting things coming. I have a quick interesting story. This this is kind of embarrassing. Uh, th- this past week, I don't know if you guys saw that. I posted a post that said, "Hey guys, let's ask some ask us some questions, and we'll do a Q and A episode." And I put usually when we get when, usually we, everybody posts stuff. Our Facebook group is very active, and if you post something, you get three or four posts immediately. And I said, "You have any questions?" Because we had a debug de, uh, debugging questions we never answered in our debugging episode. And I posted that, and hours went by, and nothing happened. I was like, nobody's posting stuff. And I posted, I'm like, please give us questions, and still nothing. And something <laughs> with Facebook, it's like only five people saw that. So we posted again. So if you have questions of that, post them there. We'll get that to a later episode. But check that out. It's the Debug Lounge. Um, we have a Twitters and Facebook and all that stuff. I'm on personal on Twitter. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. And I'm at O Beans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. I'm at R.E. Kilgore. Two I'm L's. Edu- I'm Eduardo CF1989. And he has passionate tweets. <laughs> Actually, I prefer Facebook. Well, well all right. Well, no, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. keep on messaging. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, until next time, my name's Andrew. I'm Obina. I'm Ryan, and I should have led that. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm Eduardo. We'll see you next time. See you guys. getting like a pollergy pollen allergy later in life or something well you're old and decrepit so shut up trust me <laughs> how close are you to 40 friend yeah. <laughs> oh, oh i can smell it on you now it's like i've been there i know what it's i know the progression so. <laughs> i've never had an allergy in my life for some reason mm. the past two weeks mm, he's like, phase two old yeah <laughs>